Hey everyone, Coach Sarah here of Nourish and Nurture. Welcome to today's episode. Today I am joined by the lovely Brenda Hardy, founder of a local wellbeing centre Health Connects. She's a mum of three, physiotherapist, Pilates instructor and maturation practitioner, and she specialises in women's health and in trauma, particularly pelvic health. And I'm sure lots more, Brenda, but we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> And I suppose I was wanting to get Brenda onto the podcast because I know of the great work that she does in our local community and online and uh, our values are, uh, you know, aligned in terms of women's health. And uh, we just share a lot of similarities in terms of our passion to educate and empower women in various ways. Um, Brenda, you're most welcome today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Glad to be here. Lovely to have you. Um, I suppose just was really interested to, to have a chat with you about like um you know how much our culture um and how much uh society uh does impact on our mood and our mindset, behaviors, and ultimately our overall health. And just interesting since like COVID, um, like we've discussed before, how communities are set up slightly differently, um, in that um we're more suspicious maybe of people we were we're used to take uh, a village to raise a child like you've always said and support a mother in in raising uh, a family um that there has been a disconnect with that over the decades I guess but in particular um after and maybe well during and after COVID um and how that even feeds into our um psyche as women in terms of what's expected of us what well, how we have you know have to sort of put up with certain things and how things are how we see our body image core beliefs and how stress of being busy professional mums um especially um all of those things impact greatly on how we see ourselves um as women and how we treat ourselves um and like I'm seeing with my own nutrition and therapy clients, like this manifests in unhealthy behaviours um, uh, based off of expectations from society, from families and from women themselves. I was really wondering, you know, what is your experience of firstly, what impacts your own mood mindset and overall health, but also what you see from your own clients? Um, I think the big, there, yeah, there's so many different layers to this, isn't there? Um, like personally, like before I even go out to the community and beyond, the biggest um, impact of my mood and mindset is sleep. So yeah. that's probably my number one. If I if my sleep is disrupted, um, I yeah I find it really hard to pull it back. I have to simplify my day really quickly or take something out as soon as I can because I know otherwise um, everything will go off. <laughs> Um, sleep after sleep it's probably my breakfast um, I, I have worked in my breakfast for probably the last couple of years um, and my breakfast now actually looks like a feast my husband <laughs> is like Brenda you have to get up like an hour early to do your morning routine to include your breakfast it's true honestly I'm like full of boiled water my electrolytes my vitamins yeah um, Awesome. My iron supplements, which is like a sachet with you know orange in it, and and then it's my porridge, which I decorate with Greek yogurt, ghee, nuts, seeds, everything. So he's he's actually right. My breakfast is like um yeah, my whole morning routine is, is getting quite lengthy. 
Um, but that's just with my children have got older, I've been able to kind of do these practices. Um, when they were younger, it was kind of like a, I don't know, that's probably in the very earliest days, it was, I don't actually remember what I had. It could have been a bowl of cereal or a bit of toast or, um, I think as I've kind of matured and have more kids, I know I could just see how much my sleep and breakfast probably impact my mood and mindset for the day. And if those two things are off, I just accept things are not going to be as good that day. It's just going to be a slightly rougher day. And you, you can't predict it even when your kids get older. Like my seven and a half year old was up last night, sore tummy for an hour and a half, which is not like her. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's an ongoing kind of tweaking, I suppose. Um, other things are probably in terms of like a cultural expectation of women and mums. Um, you mentioned isolation or, or dis and disconnection. Um, like I really get the strong sense that women need other women or mothers need other mothers. Um, you know, I put so much on my poor husband. I'm trying to make him my best friend, my husband, my, my confidant, and all he wants to do is unpause Netflix and get on with the show. And I'm trying to have these really deep conversations. And like, you know, he's just not biologically kind of wired for that. And he's not, you know, he's male. Um, so yeah, I feel like women have so much wisdom in their bodies. And when we connect with other women, you know, we can't see ourselves. So being even in a space with other women and just sharing openly. Sometimes you'll hear yourself saying something and it's a solution to some sort of issue you have there and then. Mm -hmm. Or you'll hear their sh them sharing something you're like, oh, yes, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Um, so we're really, really missing those simple spaces where we just talk, yeah. you know, where we just literally talk to each other. And it's not about fixing anyone or giving solutions it's just general just being with other women and sharing our stories or what's going on with ourselves at that moment in time um so that's missing that's really missing and I think lots of women like myself are doing lots of inner work but they're probably they're probably doing it on, at home on their own or they're probably coming together in some spaces to share um but it would be so much easier if we were in communities together and doing this work together like women's circles and that kind of thing um because women are at home struggling with the expectation that we have to do everything mm -hmm. um, and that massively affects our mood and mindset because if we don't have it all together and it's not perfect all the time we think we've done something wrong mm -hmm. um and then you're going to get the guilt the rage <laughs> why can i not be like everyone else yeah um and then that does affect your mindset. I think we hold very, very, actually extremely high expectations of ourselves. We put ourselves on this kind of pedestal. We have to be the perfect woman, the perfect mother, the perfect employee or employer, or you know, we're self-employed. Um, everything has to be done so well. There's no room for anything to take a back seat. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I suppose they're the personal and cultural things, but I do sense things are changing and shifting, especially more recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Just what you're saying there about expectations, just it's um it's really important, isn't it, to be aware of, of the expectations that are maybe playing out in our behaviors, isn't it? But we don't often know until maybe we've hit a wall or you know, we crash and burn or we 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 just come to a point where it's not working anymore. The, going with the, the the weight of the expectation and fulfilling multiple roles 
and not really valuing ourselves or stopping to pause. Um, because I've done that a number of times over my career and over 20, 25 years of um working in a therapeutic space, I, I have definitely learned the hard way <laughs> of you know sleep deprivation and um self-sabotage through emotional eating and things. But um I think if you can keep learning from those kind of curves of behavior where something hasn't worked and reaching out as you say for connection because we we do expect I still I'm a therapist and I it's a therapist domain to kind of be the listener so it's very difficult unless you overtly go to another therapist which you're expected to do for CPD anyway but it's still a really good practice um, in terms of exploration and reflection um and in terms of your own work could you just tell us a little bit more about what you actually do in your various uh, strands of your business and how that supports women in their overall health and well-being yeah so I started out as a, a physiotherapist just going around all the different rotations physios don't know what that means it's like where you go to one area for six months and then you rotate and you go to a different area um, I started off in children the children's hospital in Belfast and I was there for almost a year and then I went into the main hospital at the Royal um, and worked through I worked through all the hospitals probably like Matt or Musgrave the city I actually think yeah I've been in them all mm -hmm. um, I ended up specializing in trauma and that's where I took up my senior post in the Royal um, mm -hmm. uh, I also worked in Australia for a year as well um, but yeah, I love I love my post in, in in trauma. So I was working with people who'd had multiple fractures and nerve injuries. So um, yeah, and lots of scar tissue. Um, but after I had my second child, I um, yeah, just the traveling. If that hospital was beside me, it would be amazing. Um, but yeah, the traveling and getting there, it just felt wrong to travel so far. And the opposite direction for my kids and then potentially be stuck in traffic you can if anybody knows what it's like come home with the m2 you could sit on it for two to three hours so i took a career break in 2018 um and then in 2019 i set up health connects which is a health and well-being charity we're based in work home so i transitioned in that time to do pelvic health physiotherapy so it kind of combines the trauma work with um, looking after women through all the kind of aspects of her life through pregnancy, postpartum, menopause, um, and actually they they actually work really well together because lots of those aspects of a woman's life can hold trauma like scar tissue from birth and yeah various aspects of it. So they they both kind of uh, complement each other. Mm -hmm. um, so I run a pelvic health and trauma clinic from Health Connects in Port Gonome. Um, and we also serve women in different ways by running like online health and wellbeing courses and running in-person events um, in the Galgorm. We've been doing that since last June. Um, we have weekly Pilates and yoga classes and there's other therapists that work there such as other physios and reflexologists. Um, so yeah, it's it's really, really nice to be a part of something like Health Connects. And then more recently, I'd say in the last year, I've been, I feel like I've given Health Connects my everything. And in the last year, I've kind of pulled back to work on my own kind of specific 
work, like what I want to do. So I trained as a maturation coach last year. Um, it was a nine month really intense training and it, uh, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It really took all the focus off, as you mentioned, therapists. Um, we like to listen, but, but shone the light on me instead. Which, um, so it was all about me and my work and then where I was willing to go to myself, then that's how I can serve others. So it really was intensive inner work um, and a really cultivating a deep, deep listening skill. And what I loved about it is physiotherapy works with the physical body, but there's no separation of the body-mind. And that's what I could sense in my work. Mm -hmm. After I moved into the pelvis, I was like, I'm still missing something. So this was like the missing key for me. Um, so it's really amazing now when I work with women and their bodies, we can actually move into the area. So say if a woman's got um, any sort of scar tissue, for example, Mm -hmm. We can somatically move into the area of injury or disease or scar or whatever whatever's there, and um, we're we're bringing up what's there emotionally, not just physically, mm -hmm. and that's been fast, a fascinating part of my work that I've had in this year. Um, so I do do a bit of the maturation coaching or work within my physio practice, and then I also do it online, just with one or two clients at a time. Um, I also got involved in a men's group this year, doing online, an online men's maturation circle. So that was with eight men, and we did that for eight weeks earlier this year. Mm -hmm. So that was a big step for me because I've never, haven't really worked with men since I went into the pelvic health world. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah, shortly I'm going to be going back to working with uh, pregnant women as well, just bringing all this together, not just pregnancy Pilates, but sort of sharing spaces and connecting to your baby and the wisdom that's already in your body and all those kinds of things. So, so kind of a spin-off from Health Connect. It's all about connection, but the facets of it. Absolutely. That sounds absolutely amazing. Um, and it makes perfect sense, as you say, to treat the body as a whole, a whole system rather than that medical model of sort of there's yeah. the head and the body and um, sort of, you know, you're... You're personalizing um, each person's uh, trauma or, or working through that physically and emotionally, and that's so important. Um, do you find that there's, um, you know, like if you meet with a, a block someone has, um, or when I say a block, um, some people are more self-aware than others as to their emotional language and, you know, how they're actually feeling. And so that disconnect with trauma in particular you can find someone that you know they know they've been injured but um there's there's a disconnect between the mind and that area of injury um how do you work with that um and how do you bring to the fore someone's um ability to start to begin to be aware of of their emotions that's difficult because that's a good question because if we if we haven't received that nurture and touch as babies or even in the womb if our mother if we felt disconnected from our mother or whoever you know our caregiver um i think the evidence pretty much shows you a part of your brain doesn't develop the way it should do yes. and you don't have that capacity that you know in your nervous system to to be self-aware but the really amazing thing is is that it can recover you know but neuroplasticity in the brain yeah. the brain has the capacity to heal and to build those connections even if they weren't there initially or something happened and they were 
over time and the cumulative effect caused them to kind of disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, and the disconnection is not bad in itself, I would say. That's your body really trying to protect you from something that seemed unsurvivable. So although it seems like, God, why did my body do that to me? Mm -hmm. Or why, did I, why am I out of touch with my emotions and myself? It's your body trying to preserve you. So it's actually an amazing adaption that we have. And it can be, everybody wants to reconnect. I think that's what we're all seeking, yeah. the reconnection. <laughs> Um, so you're not, however, you know, that's, you're not alone in that, if, if that's a person listening, that that is a process I think we're all in to some degree. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is, because I know what you mean, you can kind of sense when somebody's not there or they're not in touch with what's there if you're working with them. Mm -hmm. And it's, I think it's a, um, the mass, the big part of it is really slow down, like yeah. stay, stay with them give them the unconditional support and meet them where they are mm -hmm. um, because they probably won't have had that before. They probably have a self-criticism, critical voice in, okay, what is this emotion? I want to feel or I don't know what I feel or mm -hmm. and have somebody just meet them where they're at and be, you know, warm and provide a solid hold and wildly, slowly, slowly. It's baby steps, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not linear either. Someone can kind of come a bit, a big leap and then they can really, swing back down or swing but I would say it's it's not a kind of up and down graph it's more like a spiral mm -hmm. um so yeah I, I I can feel what you're saying with that and I think I know when I have someone like that I start to get critical of myself going come on if they're not getting in touch with this and then this my this isn't going to work for them I'm like they're wasting their money um, I'm going to feel, I make it almost about me sometimes, like if this isn't, if they don't get there and they don't get this, I'm feeling, yeah. but um, it's making it not about me, it's making it about them and welcoming all the parts of them just as they are and just, just staying present as they slowly, slowly reconnect with those parts of themselves and you're right, it's, it's often those parts that are driving everything, so it's it's so fundamental to get to that space, but it can take it can take time and a lot of patience. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and also accepting I have to accept that I can't help everyone. Yeah. Just sometimes it just might not be the right time. I might not be the right person. They might not be in the right place. Um, so many different factors, or they may come back. They might come mm -hmm. back at a different time when they are ready. <laughs> They might not they might not be in that state of readiness although they're driving themselves to be there yeah it's just not the right time yeah I mean what I find with um both nutrition and counseling clients sometimes and even with myself um there's there's that sense of wanting to fix like I just need to fix this thing and then I can move on with my life whereas when when you go into fixing mode you're activating that like sympathetic nervous system you know and um even saying the word like should um <clears throat> excuse me um like I should be able to cope with this pain or I should be able to um eat healthily every single day of the week or I should be able to manage my critical father-in-law or whatever it might be you know um it's it and but the, it's just a, an awareness of like um that too that, that just how the brain works is that it will always go into fixing mode it we are born with that negative bias anyway and just sometimes the awareness of that. Some people are not aware of that. They just, um, they're quite cerebral and that can be, I don't know if you find this, but that can be part of the work is educating around that um, just in order to begin to build that awareness of 
our thoughts and then how that relates to the body and emotions. Yeah, that's really interesting because, yeah, you, some people will have, know they've got an inner voice, but they're totally unaware that it's critical or that it can be so critical because it's almost like a fish in the water. You, the fish doesn't know what's in water. That's its life. That's its world. Yeah. So lots of human beings, including myself to a certain point, not that, you know, in the last couple of years, didn't realize that voice is actually so critical so often, mm -hmm. you know, the, the voice the narrative itself is so harmful and impacts our physiology just on its own that's right without anything else happening um but yeah you're right there's often so much disconnect we don't even know what the voice is saying and that's where the slowness comes in when somebody's ready to really slow down and listen and then be with what the voice is saying rather than getting lulled into it it can be so persuading it can it's so <laughs> it feels so real and true when it's talking to you especially yeah. when it's in that kind of self-critical uh, mode. But yeah, it's it's slowing down and almost just being being with it. And that you have to be at a certain time in your journey, I think, to get to that space. Um, yeah, and that fix it, that negative bias. Yeah, that's so true. Even just knowing that that's how we're programmed is huge. Yeah, I think. And, and that, yeah. It's adapt that it is adaptive in terms of it, it has protected us as a species for centuries for you know since the dawn of time it's just that we need to dial down that stress response yeah. um yeah. and it can be difficult for people to understand there's no off button because it doesn't need to be it's just by uh, that sort of unconditional permission to allow the body and the brain to do their thing but also to navigate uh where maybe the brain will pick up a threat or as in a stressor of some sort but actually um it's even in terms of in the, in the context of pain and um, when I work with some chronic pain patients um, like with nerve pain it's that whole working with the relationship to the pain um, yeah. almost like it's a part of them um, I don't know if, if you've heard of like um, in, um, internal family systems and like different parts yeah. you can talk to different parts sort of um, yeah. and that's probably similar to what is that is that similar to kind of how you would work sometimes with people yeah it's almost like when we have pain there's so many different ways we'll come at the pain whether we want to fight it we want we're so angry with the pain um how we feel about the pain perpetuates the pain yes. um and really the pain is us we are the pain yes um and the answer to the pain is in the pain <laughs> that sounds very cryptic but it's so i find and it is so difficult to that's meeting yourself where you're at and accepting I have pain and can I can I move towards the pain in a different way like with compassion and tenderness for what it is the pain is trying to tell me yeah my body's not trying to harm me by by making me sore every day mm -hmm. it's trying to communicate something to me um and yeah you're right the, the relationship to the pain is so fundamental in in overcoming chronic pain and one of the first things I had I was asked to do as a young physio was to um, actually lead a chronic pain group. Um, I don't think I was the right candidate at the time. Um, and the first thing I was told to tell them was tell them their pain's not going away. They have to accept it. And I was a bit young and feisty and I went into the group and told them I've been told to tell you this, but I don't believe that. <laughs> and I really didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel like I'm going to go in and tell somebody because at this stage, they only had to have 
failed physio, that was inverted commas, for, and then to have persistent pain for three months, you know, and, and no other route of the pain had been explored for where, you know, there's so many different aspects of what can bring pain about that need to be explored, first of all. And after three months, there's absolutely no way for every single person that's going to stay chronic forever. Um, mm -hmm. And I do think there's a new way to work with pain, and it is actually going towards the pain, not trying to obliterate it or fix it or suppress it or all the things that we do when we have pain. Mm -hmm. um, and this is what kind of indigenous tribal people do. They go towards the pain and then they let the people in their community hold them while they're in pain. So they're hurt, like maybe not physically, but it's like they're all they're all holding that person in their mind, somebody that's got, you know, something's going on with them, they're in pain. Um, wow. and I read something a few years ago that your body has the capacity to produce natural analgesic, which is 400 times stronger than morphine. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've tapped out of that wisdom, like with industrialization and medicalization, yeah. you can take medication to suppress pain. And it's not that medication wrong or bad, it definitely has its place, but I think we have so much more power when we, than we actually realize. And yeah, as you said, one of the first steps is, is going towards the pain. Mm -hmm. um, and it's looking at your relationship to the pain. And often your relationship to the pain is a relationship with somebody in your life. <laughs> and it can be to yourself or it can remind you of another relationship. Um, but there's so much more to chronic pain than it just being chronic pain. It's, yeah. it's really complex. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a new kind of shift coming to, to where we don't try and, you know, suppress it or tear it apart we, if we move towards it it will naturally and organically kind of move or do what it needs to do mm -hmm. I think that's that's a really lovely image that you just talked about there about an indigenous tribes and their communities mm -hmm. how someone is held in in someone's uh, sorry in a, in a community's mind or literally or both um because isn't there something so soothing about that um mm -hmm. when you think about you like as as mums like I don't know about you but whenever I someone hugs me whenever my either boys hug me or I'm able to I'm, I'm a hugger so as, if I'm able to hug someone it makes me feel good too but I think there's something about that that co-regulation isn't isn't it yeah. you know but um how we can maybe utilize again touch and and connection um and again you know in communities these days we're also suspicious of you know with certain crime rates going up and you know paedophile rings and all this stuff that you know locally we've heard about nationally we've heard about and people are just um it sort of encour encourages isolation and disconnection because we're so suspicious of people whereas actually if we could build a trust and, and, and then further connections that will help both the individual that person's family and the wider community anyway but there's there's lots of stuff you could talk about around that but I just I really like that idea of one person um or you know various people in within a community in the indigenous truck cultures that it's it, it seems quite um a foundational pillar con connection and um collaboration and like an openness to the pain as you say whether that be psychological pain or physical pain or both there's there's a lot we could learn from from that and should continue to learn from from that we don't we don't have time here you know if i if i have a hit or actually a couple of months ago i had a really severe toothache and i ended up needing like root canal treatment 
And I went into my typical first day, oh, maybe it's just a headache, repairing in, I'll be fine. I just tried to ignore it. And by the third, fourth day, I was so much pain. And when I got to the dentist, they were like, we don't know how you actually were going around with this. Like three of your nerve roots are compressed. Um, and if you're kind of in roles now where you don't have time to kind of start ringing, like, what community are we going to call on? <laughs> who's who's yeah. sitting there? You know, we don't have a circle we go to in the evening. And, you know, you're at home thinking, right, I need to get ABC done. And, you know, th those spaces and places and connections don't exist a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if, if we, if it's, um, it's almost like everybody's wanting this return to connection and the disconnection is reflected in all the, the craziness of this world, the chaos, as we mentioned, all that, all the crazy activity and, you know, the suspicions we have now as mothers because, you know, it feels a bit unsafe there just to let our children go and roam. Mm -hmm. Like we probably did when we were growing up, we just roamed the streets. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and all the resilience you build by having that independence. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's there's so many barriers in the current culture to this kind of connection. And it's it is somehow, I think, I used to kind of think, I want to go out into the world and fix it. This is so bad. Like, <laughs> but now I suppose I'm kind of thinking I'm going to work on hating myself first, connecting to myself, and then other things will naturally take care of themselves. Um, and I do think the mother is the, the leader, actually, in the family, that that kind of goes on to naturally. Yeah. I think most families will agree that whenever when the mother's okay, mostly things are okay. Yeah, whereas the moms are the glue, aren't they? Yeah, like when even if it's a challenging time, if the mom feels supported and she's, you know, she's she's getting her basic needs met, um, and she's doing okay, then everybody else tends to just settle, and everybody is okay. Um, so yeah, I think mothers hold a lot of power, um, and women too, mm -hmm. um, about rebuilding this these this connection, this trust. And I suppose it just starts with with ourselves. Um, it's interesting in the future our children will have our, uh, you know that would be amazing to think of our children you know if they wake up with a toothache and they've got a full day ahead of them that they have that they're I think we are going to return to community I know there's AI and everything else happening but um, I think that's how human beings are built to, mm -hmm. to you know communicate with a fake person <laughs> or a computer yeah. um we're built we're just completely wired for connection and, and we don't I don't think we're going to get it wrong I don't think we're going to just keep going down this path I think lots of people are asking questions yeah and getting curious and um yeah just sitting with themselves and, and going back to basics yeah definitely I just find it interesting um that you know that women and their bodies and their minds are so wise but we uh, we sh and we should feel more empowered than we do but it's mm -hmm. it's again it's, there's so many of those barriers there and it's maybe important to as you say pause check in with yourself tr start to trust your own abilities your own resources mental physical and otherwise um and sort of honor the the needs that you have kind of back to sort of i guess self care mm -hmm. um what would your kind of top tips be for like implement because we know what to do don't we you know we do it doesn't have to be this bad day it doesn't have to be the big holidays we know we generally do know how to take care of ourselves but as women 
it's very difficult for the the, the buyers because of the reasons we've, we've discussed so what would you say are a couple of good ideas as to how to actually implement self-care to move from that state of I can't I don't have time I shouldn't it's lazy it's and indulgent what would you how would you have a, a response to that um I read something like about a year and a half ago and I was like it was the opposite take on that it said it's selfish to not self-care and I was mm. like does that mean <laughs> um so no as you know me I like research and, and I literally did research this to a T and there's no research to support women or mothers in particular not looking after themselves and if we don't look after ourselves it's actually has a directly not on detrimental effect on everyone around us like our partner if we have children or children and then that ripples out into our community so that stayed with me that it's selfish to not look after yourself but that's actually dishonoring yourself and disrespecting yourself and that will ripple out to the people around you mm-hmm. um but those wee quotes won't kind of stay with you day to day and I think I think the big one of the big things is finding a person or a community that kind of has a shared interest yeah some people might think that their friends from school or uni maybe you'll start to find you might go on a different path to those that are in your circle and it'll feel a bit unfamiliar or a bit um yeah out of the ordinary you might start to look like a bit of a black sheep in your circle and I suppose it's just slowly branching out and connecting with people who are on a similar path and that might take some years to cultivate this won't happen overnight sometimes but it's it's slowly slowly building connections to people who are on a similar path mm-hmm. it might initially just look like you're on a Facebook group or something very small um, rather than an actual person that you meet or see or um, and then it's just taking the plunge and going out there and, and trying different things um, and the biggest thing is is doing I would start with something small yeah. so it might be that you just focus on increasing your water intake and it might look like you just drink a, drink a glass of water in the morning before your coffee it doesn't have to be something significant and dramatic because we'll just we'll end up falling off the bandwagon if we start too big yeah um, but I would say yeah find, find your tribe or find mm-hmm. one person mm-hmm. that's on a similar path I love listening to books like my, since I had kids I can't do this some of the things I used to love I don't really have the time to do as much of now but one of my things is I love cooking with my air airpods and I obviously have to keep one airpod out to listen out for screaming or you know all the other stuff you hear <laughs> but I love cooking and listening to a podcast like I love that and I love walking in the evenings with again I only walk with one airpod, AirPod in case of traffic and stuff but unless I'm on the beach but um it's accepting also that what serves you is going to change over time and just keep listening to what actually is going to work for you best right now mm-hmm. um you can have long-term a vision but it's in the here and now those things might not be practical so it's starting small and finding something that you can do consistently just with where you're at it's almost meeting yourself where you are yeah. you do have small kids you can't go off and probably do things like I want to do like a three months in person yoga training in Bali <laughs> but like I have pushed myself out there and I want to do a six-day one in Ibiza um maybe later this year next year uh-huh. um awesome. things like that like or, or maybe when the kids are even weird I maybe did like 
a half day retreat so it's it's things that are practical for you and here and now kind of are working towards your long-term vision mm-hmm. and yeah starting small and staying consistent and accepting yourself when you fall off the bandwagon's big thing because you will fall off and I fell off it for like one to two years at a time so <laughs> it's it's expected it's not going to be going to be linear but um yeah yeah great points there Brenda um (laughs) there's something around uh, for me anyway I don't know if you were like this or have been like this but um there's a a piece in this about perfectionism Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's like if I don't do it it's like all or nothing you know if I don't do it absolutely perfectly then it's been a disaster um you know or if if I haven't you know had like stayed hydrated every single day this week then I've failed um it's something that is just again catching the mind telling you stories uh, that yeah. you haven't done something that's good enough when actually something is always something um yeah and these days, keeping it like I guess the smart goals you know kind of keeping yeah. it and maybe having someone yeah. supportive to account to, to stay accountable to yeah definitely I think as women we don't realize how much we are in, well I know I attract everybody towards me that's perfectionist like me but I didn't truly realize that I was a perfectionist until this year and honestly I was like I'm perfectionist like I genuinely did like I was perfectionist mm-hmm. so again you might not know your traits for a very long time um but yeah that's all part of the process I suppose but and um, how, how did yeah, you I think perfectionism is a really difficult one because it's so unforgiving yeah relentless it's relentless yeah and how did you catch on that it was you know there were costs attached and there was there was maybe something to look at there it was probably in my maturation coaching work last year um, when I started listening to other people and you know my coaches were reflecting back to me like through deep listening to what I was saying and not saying and it was just that all or nothing it was like okay I'm like for example two years ago still breastfeeding and thought I would enter a ballot to go to the London Marathon I, I hadn't ran in about five years and I got in and that all or nothing part of me thought I'll I'll do a marathon in four months time um while still breastfeeding <laughs> with three children under four and in my mind that felt reasonable but even yeah. saying it out loud now I know it's not but it's that all or nothing trait that's really <laughs> it's a very masculine energy actually the all or nothing yeah. um it's very common actually in medic and medicine in medic, the medical world yeah to fix it or yeah black um, or white you know, so yeah. often it's either fixed or it's still a mess mm-hmm. in my life either I'll make something perfect or like I'll ignore it so mm-hmm. for example I'm terrible at cleaning so <laughs> I don't I literally don't really I can't like I just don't I'm like well I just keep ignoring it whereas if I focus on something like that has to be right then it has to be perfect it has yeah. to be like 100% all the time yeah and I'll only put my attention to something if I can make it perfect and the other things just get pushed aside and they're ignored so, yeah <laughs> yeah it takes a long time to see yourself very long time yeah but I you know I, I think it's great that you're looking in the first place I think that's the first yeah. start this is the start isn't it because sometimes yeah. it's about well yeah just building an awareness but that awareness is it's not there's no start and end point like it's we're ever evolving aren't we you know in terms of our psyche and what works for us and our mindset mood behaviors all of that and Again, it's about just appreciating what we do notice and working with that and using that to serve our yes. and honor our needs as women. Yeah. 
it's really important yeah and I think I think the system at the moment suppresses women it really does and women are so powerful like it's it's when they when they actually start to become embodied and, and act upon their needs and know what their needs are and then when we do that in circle and community it's like beyond powerful and that that is what I think is going to change our communities and families going forward as women actually returning to themselves and connection and communities and the power yeah. that's held in that and men suffer too within the system we're in it's, I don't think men ever wanted to be on a pedestal and not have emotions look physically strong and make loads of money that's what they're told they have to do um they don't want to either so they, they're suffering and they actually are you know I feel like men will actually women have to do the work and I feel men men are doing it too now and it's it's gonna they're gonna complement each other mm -hmm. um the future will hopefully look like more of a balance of our male and fem feminine energies that it's not so one-sided where it's this masculine doing mode Oh, yeah. uh, it doesn't really serve anybody well yeah yeah absolutely that's a great point um before we draw to a close Brenda can you let people know uh where they could learn more about what you do that's one because <laughs> I suppose the only place probably at the moment um is probably my Instagram page so it's brenda.hardy underscore um I'm in the middle of just working on creating my own my own website so um if you go to my um instagram page and in my bio there is a link for the free ebook that i developed for mothers for the fourth trimester they can access that and um they can i'm i still i'm setting up my own email address as well because it's my maiden name which is like almost nine years ago <laughs> so at the moment i'm people can contact me just through my Instagram page for one-to-one -one appointments um, for pelvic health physio or if they're interested in doing the, the maturation work uh, which is a combination of online and in person mm -hmm. so for now yeah it's just my Instagram page until I yeah get the website hyper focus on the website and get that done. <laughs> exciting times that's another new chapter yeah. for you yeah yeah well that's great well listen thank you so much for joining us today it's just been lovely to have you on and um we look forward to seeing what you do next all right thank you so much Sarah <laughs>